from the world of Sonic the Hedgehog, a new hero arrives. I am ready. Is there anyone stronger? No. Tougher? No. Funnier? I do not make jokes. I make warriors. Knuckles, now streaming only on Paramount+. Plus. Yes! We are back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider and love doing the episodes where we get a chance to talk about another edition to Michigan's recruiting class. That's exactly what we're going to be doing today. Uh, as you have found out over time listening to this podcast, man, this is where it really goes down when it comes to Michigan recruiting intel and information. You can get it 24-7. You can get it all the time over on the site, themichiganinsider.com. So be sure to check us out over there. That's where you can get all the scoop on the message board, all the inside uh, intel and dish on the front page, all of our stories there that we have, including the podcast, video breakdowns, you name it. You can find it over on the MichiganInsider.com. So be sure to subscribe over there. A dollar gets you in the first month. But let's get down to business with the crew here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider Podcast. The team, as always, comprised of one Mr. Steve Lorenz. Steve, how are you today? Good, guys. Hope you guys are doing well. And, of course, Mr. Bryce Marich, who uh, was in Idaho last week. How was it in Idaho, Bryce? Uh not too much in Idaho, Sam. Let's just say when they got to make the speed limit 80 miles per hour, there's a reason. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll come back around to your Idaho trip a little bit later on in the podcast. Let's start off first talking about a young man who we saw in this class over a month ago. We knew it was going this way, but for a momentary pause when it looked like Georgia might throw a little wrench in the plan, but Ultimately, the Wolverines were able to stave off a strong, strong push from Oregon to land Damani Dent. I know, Bryce, you know, when I had you down there in Jacksonville to see Micah Pollard, I said, hey, man, stop by Damani Dent's practice and check him out. Uh, and you saw what that dude was all about. You saw how put together he is physically, how ready he probably will be to go uh, as a true freshman. And now he's in the fold for the University of Michigan. Yeah, so he's from the Jacksonville, Florida area. Six foot, 190, um, defensive back. He can play nickelback. He can play corner. Most likely he's going to be a safety from Michigan on the back end there for them. Uh, great recurring job by Ron Bellamy, um, Courtney Morgan, especially George Hilo, who has plenty of ties to the state of Florida, especially, you know, down in Jacksonville, Florida. But then he's an interesting story, Sam. He uh, was originally committed to Akron. So, not much about him. He was kind of under the radar. Many people didn't actually didn't know about him. And that was because of lack of film was he was not on huddle. He's on another, um, I don't even know what it was, but he was on something else other than huddle his film was. So a lot of schools didn't even get to see him one and two, he didn't go to camps. He really didn't get out there like that until this past summer. He went to several camps, including Oregon, like you mentioned, was the top performer there. So much so that Oregon just offered him on the spot. They didn't even waste any time. They offered him. Michigan followed, I want to say, a couple days later, along with Pittsburgh. At that point, it was a top three. He made that first official official visit for the Michigan game when they played Washington. They knocked it out of the park. I put in a crystal ball pick. I felt really comfortable um, kind of with Michigan standing at that point. And at that, you know, a month later or two, he decided to make a commitment to Michigan. Um, and I think Steve put this on the board as well. If people aren't worried about his ranking, they shouldn't be because you should look at the staff's reaction on Twitter and kind of what they felt once he posted his, you know, commitment edits and all that 
stuff. He's definitely a top target for Michigan. That's no question. Michigan viewed him very highly. They think he's above his ranking. I think he is going to rise up in the rankings once more film comes out about him. But he's a guy that can do a lot. He's a physical hard hitter. And one thing I especially like about him, Sam, extremely, extremely, extremely has a big chip on his shoulder and plays with a ton of swagger on and off the field. This guy doesn't lack confidence. He loves to let everyone know he's Damani Dan. He's here to play. He's here to stay. And he's a guy I think going to be one of the top, maybe underrated commitments um, in this Michigan class. So he's a great pickup for Michigan. I think pe- people shouldn't sleep on him just because of his ranking. So good pickup. Great job by the staff, and we'll see what they can keep doing going forward in Florida. Yeah, this was one where that Oregon offer was like the bat signal, man. I mean, he he goes out, and what I was told, he wasn't just the top defensive back, like uh, like you just mentioned. He was the top performer at that camp, period. And so, you know, that's one of those deals where I'm sure they're probably like, why are people reporting this offer? Because Michigan clearly got wind. Watch some tape. And before they could see him in person for themselves, uh, they they offered, well, at least during the cycle. Now, maybe George Hilo had some knowledge of Damani Dent. He probably did, being a Jacksonville guy, have some knowledge of Damani Dent already that they were able to work with and go on. But that guy, to your point, he was committed to Akron. He was committed to Akron, and this is one of those cycles, as we continue to say. This is one of those cycles, Stephen, you've said it a ton, that there are going to be guys whose rankings – are behind where they are talent-wise, whose rankings are behind where they are on some schools' list. Damani Den is one of those guys, and it it also illustrates how committed Michigan is to bolstering its secondary ranks. I think that you see them uh, with this class really signaling that there's going to be a the preponderance of play is going to be in nickel. I mean, with all the defensive backs they're taking, with the way that Dax is thriving there, you're going to see a lot of five defense. That might even be their base defense. <laughs> Eventually, five defensive backs on the field at the same time. So you need to have numbers. You need to have a couple of guys who are versatile enough to slide down and play nickel, physical enough to uh, to be in the box and play the run, but also high IQ. And this is one of the things that you you saw and heard during your time down there, Bryce, that stuck out to me with Damani Dent. His coach told you, don't run the same play at him twice. You remember that? So don't run the same play at him twice because this guy, he diagnoses things really quickly. That's the kind of IQ that you want in your secondary. Yeah, exactly. He uh, He's a guy that, you know, like you said, once you run something at him, he's got to figure it out. And that's something where a lot of teams, especially the senior season, they have been running at him and going towards the side of the field. Um, he, George Hill actually was at his game this past Friday, and he almost had a pick six, his coach told me. So he's making plays out there and – I think the other big um, appealing factor for him when looking at Michigan was Michigan, which is smart too. They're selling Daxton Hill as a recruiting pitch. And that was a big thing. They said, listen, you could become Daxton Hill. And from what he's been doing so far this season, Daxton Hill for Michigan, it's easy for kids to get excited and kind of want to play and fit in that role. So like I said, great pickup. I think he's very underrated. I think he's a guy that once he gets the system – kind of builds up, kind of works his way through the strength and conditioning program. He's going to be a guy that sees the field in terms of special teams. And then at that point, he's the chess piece you can really move around. Because like I said, that versatility, he has to play several positions, stands out about him. So, Steve, this is, again, an example of a guy 
who we feel like with time you could really see his ranking go up. We've been saying that about a lot of guys over the course of the last four or five months. Well, gradually those rankings are starting to change. Another rankings update, and we see Michigan commits and targets getting uh, big bumps there in the top 247. Yeah, a few guys that we've harped on. Uh, Kevontae Henry makes one of the biggest bumps of anybody in the country today. Uh, the 247 moves from an 88 rating three-star, which I actually think he had just been bumped from an 86, not a month or two before, uh, all the way up to a 92. I think he's actually 200th on the dot in the country now in the top 247. Huge leap for him. Um, a guy that we had said before they picked up any edge commitments uh, that he and Josh Josephs were the top two edge players on Michigan's board. Uh, the rankings are starting to reflect that. Uh, so you have Joe, uh, you have uh, Mason Graham, another one who has turned into really, in my opinion, a really ends up being a really important pickup for Michigan in this cycle. Uh, a guy, again, another guy that we watch a little bit of film and it's like, okay, this guy's not an 87 or an 88 or an 89. Um, I want to say Biggins has said that he's the, been the best lineman offensive or defensive in California this cycle. That says a lot <laughs> with all the talent that's usually out in California. And uh, so he's bumped up, I think, 213th in the country. And then for commitments, Colson Loveland tied in another guy who was already ranked as a four-star, uh, but bumped from a 90 to 91 and is just, I think, 246th in the country. I know Bryce just went out and saw him. He's the one of the three that bumped that, that made it in. I, I'd be interested if one of our national guys went out and watched him, if that wouldn't go even higher than that. Uh, Michigan's absolutely in love with with him and, and thinks that he's a potential star uh, difference maker type guy at tight end. So those are the commitments. And then I, uh, what a quartet of big time targets, Zeke Berry uh, out of Concord, California, De La Salle, all the way up to 63rd overall in the country, big time target for Michigan. You talk about bolstering that defensive backfield. Uh, he'd be a huge addition for Michigan. Uh, Dion Walker, the cast tech lineman who I was supposed to mention last, but I'm going to mention him second. Um, hundred or uh, just outside of the, I think 192. And then uh, Lander Barton, who, who Bryce just went and saw, moved up about 50 or 60 spots to 134th overall in the country. And then la the other one is, is Josh Connerly, obviously Michigan's top target on the offensive line. His move, so like a guy that moves up 10 spots, you'd think not necessarily that big a deal, but for a guy who was already ranked inside the top 20 to move up 10 spots to eighth overall and, and now is the number one offensive lineman in the class, that the higher you move up the rankings, the more any movement forward is significant. Uh, so for him to move that far up uh, and be the number one tackle in, in the cycle is, is really big. Uh, I've thought he was the number one tackle in the country for months. I feel like we've said that a few times. So, you know, Michigan obviously feels the same, and, and then that's a significant uh, bump for Michigan and for obviously for Connor Lee himself. Yeah, it, it feels like this latest rankings meeting, we aren't in on them, but it feels like Brandon Huffman was like, Hey guys, look at my players. Look at the guys in my region because Colston Loveland is a Huffman guy. Huffman has actually been out to see him, not this season, but there's a reason why 24-7 has him higher than, than the other services. Brandon has actually been there to see him live. He's been on Zeke Barry forever. I, I remember asking Brandon, I mentioned this on the podcast before, before Courtney Morgan was hired, anticipating that they were going to be jumping in on some guys out West almost immediately. And I said, who do you think? The first guy he mentioned was Josh Connerly, of course, that it would help with Josh Connerly. But then he mentioned Zeke Berry. Zeke Berry, before 
Jaleel Florence, Zeke Berry before anyone on the West Coast. He said, this is a guy who is much better than his ranking. Has always loved Zeke Berry. Kevontae Henry was a guy that they, you know, they admitted they hadn't seen. That was one of the things that Greg Biggins said they hadn't seen. But, man, the, the guys that Huffman had seen already, uh, they got their due in this latest rankings update. Of course, but let's, let's bring it back to Deion Walker. For multiple questions about Deion Walker in the thread that we put on the uh, on the message board, which I'm going to do on a weekly basis. I keep getting prompts from people. Hey, you guys used to take questions from us on the message board. I will put that up every week so I make sure that we address some of the things that you guys want us to address. So go to the MichiganInsider.com. Go to the Victor's Club VIP board, and you look for that on a weekly basis, and we'll get to your questions. But, Bryce, we just saw Deion Walker. And I'm struck first by a couple of things uh, in, in that game. First, that Harbaugh and and his daughter Addie and Matt Weiss were there for the whole game, because this was like Steve. This is like the longest game in in the history of of like high school football in the state of Michigan. It was so long. It was so long. I mean, halftime. Bryce wasn't halftime like like an hour. Like, is this the Super Bowl? Like, man, we were there forever. And it was raining, and it was, I mean, injuries and stoppages, and we were there forever, and Harbaugh, Weiss, and Addy stayed the whole game, which I was like, wow, that that stands out. And then Deion Walker. I'm going to say it again, Bryce. When we saw him, when, when we saw him two and a half years ago in that camp down in Ohio, that was 2019, wasn't it, Bryce? Want to say was I? I'm, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be frank with you. When when Michigan offered him at that time, at that time, I was like, wow, this seems kind of early. I mean, I don't know that he had even played varsity at that point, and he was not in shape. He was not in shape. He is a different human being now. When we watch him, and he certainly, you know, even with a club on his hand, you felt his presence in that game against King last weekend. Yeah, no, he, um, it's crazy. Like you said, Sam, seeing him play both ways. I mean, and he didn't, he didn't miss a lot of plays. I mean, he was out there and you know, it's when you think, okay, you're going to play both ways. He might take a couple plays off here and there. No, I mean, he was hundred percent going every play he was in trying extremely hard. And like you said, he did have a club on, he told me he had fractured it to his thumb. Um, it's not going to require surgery or anything like that, but he just wants to play. You know, and I think that's that shows how motivated and how how important the PSL championship was to him. I mean, he was out there, you know, Cats had just lost to King. Come back, you know, now they're trying to revenge. Obviously, wasn't what they wanted to come out for um, second time around, but it was a good effort by them, especially Walker. I think he had a good performance. I think, Sam, you would agree with me. He was one of the top performers of the game. But afterwards, I talked to him. And right now, you know, big conversation point was the Mario decommitment. Mm-hmm. How was he going to react to that? Because a lot of what we wrote and talked about throughout the podcast over the summer was that bond they had and kind of what they had formed through the camp circuit, through just everything they had formed. Um, and so with that decommitment, he admitted to me. He was kind of caught off guard. It was something he didn't see coming, you know, and he said, listen, I thought Michigan was kind of a family environment I didn't you know I know Mario loved it there I know his family loved it there and so for I'll send them to part ways he was kind of blindsided he was shocked he didn't understand it later on he did tell me he did talk 
um, with Michigan. They did explain the situation the best they could, I think. And it was good enough for him to where he still feels strongly about Michigan. He still feels there is a strong and good culture and family environment at Michigan. He noted, you know, Raheem Anderson was at the game, Sam. Yep. And that's a guy that's been talking to him about Michigan. Mm-hmm. He told me Rashawn Benny, he's close with, you know, he's been telling him good stuff about Michigan. Then he laid out four or five coaches, starting with Coach Clank, who called him almost like a proud uncle. That's a guy he can go to for anything outside of football. I mean, life stuff. Coach Nua, he said his family loves. Coach Bellamy, he kind of gets where he is because he was coaching high school last year. So he understands the high school level, kind of what Deion's experiencing day in and day out. And obviously Coach Harbaugh, who was there the whole game, pouring rain, freezing, (laughs) which was impressive because I was freezing. I think you were too, Sam. Um, But, you know, I think with him in Michigan, a big thing is I think he just wants to enjoy this process, Sam. I mean, he just took official visit to Missouri. He wants to take a couple more visits. He wants to see Alabama. He said Georgia, LSU, a couple other schools. He does plan on returning to Michigan for the Ohio State game. So I think that's big. But he also said at the same time, you know, I just want to keep watching Michigan and keep seeing what they're doing. He was impressed with the recruiting class they got going on. And he also has been impressed with the field um, success they've had as well and the defensive line, how they've been playing as well. So I think with that recruitment, it's more of a stay tuned, kind of keep watching it. But I wouldn't jump off the ledge if I was a fan, you know, from Michigan right now. I, I do think he is seriously considering schools such as Kentucky, I think Kentucky's making an extremely strong push. I know Allen just lowered his crystal ball pick there, I think, because of Kentucky. So that's something to watch. But I wouldn't switch my pick quite yet is what I'm getting at, Sam. No, I, I think you nailed a whole lot with, with Deion Walker. He is – the potential, is, it just screams at you. I mean, the kid is – he's 6'6", 320, and he can move. Like, I mean, you you get the name that we mentioned here before, and I'm not saying that he's going to be this guy, but I mentioned Calais Campbell for a reason. Now, you know, you Calais Campbell was a high-motor big dude, and can can Deion Walker be that uh, is the question. I'm impressed that he got himself uh, in a much he, – he's lost over the past couple of years. He must have lost about 30 pounds. So he just – he looks a lot better, more imposing. But, you know, there's – there's this thing. You try to figure out where things start, right? So all this talk about family environment, family atmosphere at, at Michigan, is that is that strictly about the Mario? It's I call him Eugenio. I've heard it Eugenio or Eugenio. Some people say I'm butchering his name. I've heard people say Eugenio, so I don't know what it is. At any rate, Mario's decommitment, was it just that or is that a recruiting deal? And I, I think it's maybe a, a bit of both. I think maybe... It, that development is being used. It, it just strikes me that Kentucky is rising at this very moment. This sounds like a, a play right out of the Vince Morrow, you know, recruiting guy that you, you give him an opening, you give him something to seize upon uh, and he uses. So I, look, do I know that that's the case? Do I know that he is using the Mario D commitment uh, against Michigan? No, I don't. I don't know that. I'm speculating. That man, I see their eyes. Suddenly, he's talking about family atmosphere, and man, where is that coming from? And so, how do you combat that if you're Michigan? I think it's 
it's the all-hands-on-deck approach. I mean, I think it was noteworthy that Harbaugh was out there. You got Ron Bellamy, of course, as a, as a major recruiter in that mix, but Klinkscale and Nua and the full-court press from all of those guys, in addition to the players that you laid out there, Bryce, all very, very huge in this recruitment because this is a guy, Steve, to get back to you, we mentioned him as a as a must-get, even with the other defensive linemen that they got, right? Mason Graham is a top guy. Kenneth Grant is a top guy. Even with those guys, Deion Walker is a must-get recruit because of the position he plays and the fact that he's an in-state guy. Yeah, and and he's gotten a lot better, like you said. Um, a guy that whose who's projection keeps growing. I feel, obviously, he moved into the top 247 today for a reason, for the first time. So a lot of value there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where this one goes. I know there's people that uh, are always concerned when a recruitment just kind of where it feels like Michigan's in full control. It just keeps going on and on and on and it doesn't end. Um, And sometimes those don't go Michigan's way, but there are times where that does go Michigan's way. I think Donovan Edwards last cycle was one that kind of went on and on for a while. People get concerned. Uh, You just got to let the process play out. You got to remember for him, yeah, going to see some of these other programs, that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for a guy. And he has, you know, that was kind of the thing with him that we would talk about early in his recruitment is he wasn't a highly rated guy, but he had all these offers. Right. You know, so he's had some of these schools, on, you know, it's not like this is a new thing that these schools are have offered him or maybe shown some interest. Uh, it's just now he has that opportunity to maybe go to uh, Baton Rouge or, or go to Athens and, and see some of these teams play. You know, again, those two teams specifically, I don't, I don't see becoming any kind of factor. So, if you're Michigan or you're a Michigan fan, those are the types of schools you maybe want him to go see for an official visit. So, that's a great point. Yeah, right. Still very important for Michigan, um, and and really, you see how the D line's playing this year. I don't know how they don't look more attractive in that regard. Um, you know, the D line's played above expectations, and then for him to come in and be a part of the class that they're bringing in or that they're looking to bring in up front, you know, high hopes there for Michigan. I mean, that this would be a dream, almost a dream defensive line class, you know, no Walt, not including Walter Nolan. Uh, we don't know where that one's going to go, but either, even without him, this is still um, a stud class up front with, with Walker, maybe kind of being that final piece of the puzzle or, or one of the final pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. You just made a great point, Steve. Like, <laughs> You want to visit LSU at this point, right? I mean, who's the who's even going to be the coach at LSU uh, at this point? I mean, uh, Georgia, they they have some other fish that they're trying to fry right now. Same thing with with Bama. So you, I mean, from a strategic standpoint, you almost would rather, and they're farther away from home, so you almost would rather that he entertain those schools than say, uh, you know, than than opposed to Kentucky who he obviously has some relationships with his recruiter there, Vince Morrow, who is regarded as one of the top recruiters in the in the country. Like I said, you give him an opening, uh, and he'll, he'll seize upon it. Uh, another school to look out for is another one Bryce mentioned, Missouri, where it is Missouri is getting out to see him this week. And, you know, they have some momentum. They just got Luther Burden, a five-star. They, you know, they feel like they could come into Michigan and maybe, maybe take a guy that's a little closer to home. So those are schools – you know, that you look at SEC schools that you look at that, you know, give him maybe a middle ground uh, that will maybe be a little tougher to deal with than an Alabama or an LSU or a Georgia. So just a couple of the schools to look out for for a must get recruit. But you mentioned the name Walter Nolan, his 
His name was mentioned on the board. What's up with Walter Nolan? Status quo. Uh, I got to eat some crow. Guys, you might recall that I said that Alabama was going to beat the brakes off of Texas a and I wasn't the only one. I mean, I was the only one on this podcast, but I wasn't the only one in the country saying that, guys. They were a double-digit underdog at home, A&M was. They were missing like five starters in the game, and they pulled the upset. So I give them credit, and that was a game that, that Walter Nolan was at. So uh, I think that A&M is probably the team that's trending the most right now, uh, more so than Florida, who things are not looking very good at Florida. I mean, they just lost to LSU. Right. There's a, you know, people calling for Todd Grantham's head, the D.C. down there. And, you know, you've you've had Mullen, Dan Mullen has, has been taking slings and arrows for a little while now. So that one isn't looking as good, even though they're still up there. But just looking at who the primary combatants are, A&M would be the team and Georgia. Those would be the two teams that I would say probably top of the heat. No, they uh, are still checking out Tennessee. I just in the grand scheme of things, I, I have a hard time seeing him choose Tennessee over those other schools. That last check, uh, and I actually checked on this today, they are still planning to come up for the Ohio State game. Very impressed. Remember, uh, one of the things Dad said is that McDonald's scheme, Mike McDonald's scheme, is the best scheme that they're looking at, and there's nothing that we've seen thus far uh, to dissuade him from that opinion. Uh, but Michigan, clearly, uh, you know, at this point, if I had to handicap it, said they're probably chasing A&M. And uh, in Georgia, that's my opinion. They didn't say that, but still in the mix, still planning to come up for the Ohio State game. And that was confirmed today. Uh, But more movement on this front. And Steve, you can maybe speak when when you first saw that Michigan offered a Juco guy. Did you did you question it immediately? Because I know a lot of people were like, a Juco guy. No, that's not going to happen. You ever seen that Bruce Arians gif when he like when he turns around really like he sees like look like something happens and he turns his face around really fast? It's kind of what I did. Um, is it still Austin Panter? Is that still the last, last one? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Which was like feels like fifty years ago. Um, his story's different though, right? That's that's where this whole thing kind of comes from because he's quietly feel like Doan. Brian Doan, our, our East Coast guy, has mentioned him in Michigan for a while when he was first being recruited, right? So he's not a brand new name for Michigan, but he is for the 2022 cycle. So, yeah, yeah I was surprised. Oh, yeah, it definitely. You see Juco, Michigan, you immediately look to see if he's if it's a real person um, that is reporting it. You know, I've seen that a couple of times, had a few of those uh, fake Twitter recruits. Uh, but Mbaz, obviously a real recruit and a, a, a good looking prospect also. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it was kind of funny though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jeffrey Mba six six three zero five. This was another foreign discovery, much like uh, the the kid that went to Minnesota, Minnesota Fa, Daniel Falale, who they discovered in Australia, the big six nine three hundred forty five pound kid uh, who hadn't played football with Jeffrey Mba. Michigan saw when uh, they made the trip to Paris a few years ago. Uh, and that kid, uh, from that experience, uh, began trying to work his way over to the States to play American football. And, uh, you know, tried St. Francis, Biff Pogey and, and crew over there. Biff Pogey, who was the head coach of St. Francis at the time, who is now uh, on Michigan staff. They tried to get him in at St. Francis. Tried to When that didn't work out, they tried to get him at St. Thomas More, uh, a, a prep school. And he's, to your point, Steve, not 
one of the typical JUCO kids, at least JUCO football kids. See, JUCO football kids most of the time go that route for academics. It's not like in baseball. Like you see baseball, high school baseball players go the JUCO route to boost their stock for college. They don't necessarily go for academics. That's why Michigan baseball recruits a lot of JUCOs, right? Uh, Jordan Brewer a couple of years ago was a, was a JUCO guy and went on to be a, a key cog in that, in that uh, World Series team. So Michigan recruits JUCOs in other sports, but this is more like a JUCO like you would see in baseball because it's not an academic thing for him. He, it's a language, a language and American standardized test thing for him. It's not, he's not, uh, you know, it's not an academic aptitude thing. So as English, his English got better and, uh, you know, he's been here for a few, uh, you know, a couple years now at Independence Community College and down there in Kansas, gonna qualify. And if you're very intentional about taking courses that will transfer to a place like Michigan, because they don't all transfer, then it is possible there is a path. And a real key and context clue in this recruitment for me is he told me, he said, you know, I got two more classes to take to be able to enroll in January. And then just think about it, guys. Most of these other schools recruiting in Miami, NC State, SC, do you think that that applies to them as much as it might apply to a, a place like Michigan? So I think that's a hint right there, even more so. That, you know, his, he's, admit this is my opinion, he's a Michigan lean. This would be a heck of a guy, Bryce, because he has four years to play three. So remember, he's a French guy. He's 6'6", 305, 4840, but he's still raw. So you could afford to bring him in, redshirt him, and still have three years for him to play. And you're talking about a guy whose size and speed you just can't teach. Yeah, you don't find guys that are six foot six, 305, walking around any street, you know, in Ann Arbor. So he definitely would fit the bill of what Michigan's looking for. Like you said, that the new de- defensive scheme Mike McDonald's trying to run. And I think he would definitely fit that Campbell role like you're referring to of uh, Deion Walker. And that's another thing, too. You know, let's say you get him, Emba, and then let's say you get Walker. You could always switch Walker to offense online. If you had to, because Walker's got that versatility where he can play both sides of the ball. So this would be extremely good pickup for them. And it's something where, like you said, Sam, they don't go to the Juco ranks ranks very often. But when they do, this is the type of kid you want to go for, for sure. So I think this would be a steal. This is a guy Michigan's had their eyes on for forever. And like you said, I mean, Steve said, Brian, don't. I mean, I feel like every – Every year I see a, an article about this kid. And I'm like, geez, he's still in school? Like, geez. But, no, this is the type of kid you definitely want to be on, and I think it makes sense. I mean, Oregon just offered. So I could see more offers come his way. But Michigan, like you said, was there first. I Reading your article, he definitely you can definitely tell that he still – that resonates with him, that Michigan was the first one to be on him and really identify him, and we'll see where things go. All right, so how about this? We'll we'll pause for the cause. When we come back on the other side, we got to get to Bryce's trip out west. Made it out to Utah to see. We've talked about Lander Barton a lot on this podcast, right? Well, uh, top linebacker target for Michigan, who, by the way, saw a crystal ball going for Texas recently, which maybe signals that this isn't as much a slam dunk for Utah as we thought. Jim Harbaugh was at that game. We'll talk about that. Colston Loveland, who you went out to see. A lot of questions about Amarion Walker. So, A lot still to cover here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider.
All right, so Bryce, you made your way out west uh, in a state that I don't know that I've ever known Michigan to grab a recruit from. Never had planned to. I didn't know Idaho geography. Had to sit and figure it out because I said, where where can we land that would make it the shortest possible trip? Because, you know, the there's one major airport in Idaho and from there, Bryce, as I'm sure you can find out, you got to get from everywhere, get to everywhere from that one airport. And that is a long jaunt. So I actually flew you into Salt Lake City and then you drove up to Idaho from Salt Lake. Yeah. So my week actually started off like Jim Harbaugh's week. It was a Wednesday night football game, surprisingly. Um, and I went to go see top 247 linebacker Lander Byrne. Like you said, Sam, we've been talking about on this podcast for several times. And he's a six foot four, 220 athletic linebacker that can go sideline to sideline. Um, and I wasn't the only one there. I mean, Jim Harbaugh was there. Mike McDonald was there. Dante Williams, the interim USC head coach, was there. Oregon State was there. So there was quite a few coaches watching him, along with a couple other players um, at that game. But he had three touchdowns in the first half. He was incredible. Um, he, they played him at slot. They played him a wide out. They played him at tight end. They played him off the edge. They played him an inside linebacker, outside linebacker. He could do it all. And I can see why he's the top of Michigan's linebacker board because he fits exactly what Mike McDonald's looking for. And then, you know, in the middle of his defense, a guy that can fly around the ball. He's big, physical, and he can cover. You know, I think what that – you can't ask for more. And so, you know, afterwards I did talk to him and I wanted to find out because like you said, Sam, and you've documented this very well on the podcast, his family has, I don't think I've ever seen a family with so many ties to one school before and any recruitment. I mean, his dad, mom, brothers, sister, dog, cat. I think everyone went to Utah. (laughs) So, and I, and I was straight with him. I said, listen, man, you know, a lot of people expect you just to follow Utah and follow the family tradition, just keep going there. And he made it clear to me that he's considering all his options and he's looking at them, especially Michigan. Um, you noted that crystal ball to Texas. I did a little further digging into that. I don't really, I think Texas is a factor, but I wouldn't go as far to say I'd crystal ball them, you know, for Lander Byrne. Um, so I wouldn't look too much in that crystal ball. I still think Utah is the favorite, but coming out of this trip, Michigan's making them a top priority. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, Mike McDonald, they're going to be at one game together. That speaks volumes. And so I think, you know, Michigan is showing that how much they want him. His head coach talked to me about that afterwards and said, you know, Lander and even Lander himself said the maze on which he came up for official visit for the Washington game blew him away. I mean, he just absolutely loved it. And the key for this recruitment, because in my, this is just my opinion. I think it is Utah in Michigan right now. I think if he had to pick it between those two schools. But the key in this recruitment is if Michigan can get him back up to campus. And he is looking to possibly come back for unofficial visit for the Ohio State game. Now, if he does that, you have to think this isn't on his own dime. You know, so, so far he's only really been taking official visits. So if he comes to Michigan, flies across the country, to see Michigan on his own dime, now we're talking. Now I can really see Michigan land him. But right now I would say 
Utah is still the front runner there. But Michigan, you talk about gaining ground. They're gaining ground fast. And I think they're definitely making a strong impression on him and his family. Right. And this has been a guy, Steve, that we have said ad nauseum. This is like the dude at linebacker that Michigan really, really – you could tell by the intensity of attention, the persistence of attention on a guy, how much they value him. And this has been like – I don't see their board, but I'd be shocked if Lander Barton hasn't been at the top of it for some time. Yeah, I think he's definitely number one. Um, they offered right away. They've continued a vigorous pursuit throughout despite – you know, with Bryce saying it's a closer battle than it looks, it wasn't always that way. I think Utah probably was a heavy favorite for a while, at least early on, uh, before he really started to get national attention. Uh, he's also, Bryce is right, I think him getting back to campus is is paramount for Michigan's chances in this one. Other thing, too, I think Michigan's made uh, a lot of headway with the family. Like you said, got to think, of course, they're never, a family's never going to push a kid a certain direction, but you got to think there is some kind of pressure on him to go to Utah just because of such deep family ties there. So, you know, I think Michigan has made a lot of progress on the family side of things, made them feel a little bit more comfortable about what Michigan has to offer and, and, you know, what Michigan can do for him on and off the field. So, yeah, I mean, he's, we've talked about him a lot, but I think he's, is he's one of those guys that maybe I don't think maybe a lot don't, a lot of people wouldn't realize like how high he really is like overall, not just that linebacker. Like this is a guy that they've been super enamored with for months. And like Bryce said, he put on a show um, in front of McDonald and Harbaugh in person, you know, and, and that only I think reinforced Michigan's belief in what kind of prospect he is. So yeah, all the, uh, gas uh, foot on the gas in this one, for sure. It was already there, but they're going to push even harder and uh, see where they can go with it. And then you, you sp- just mentioned Steve, you know, guys that Michigan is just, wow, he is their gaga over. Coaston Loveland is another one of those guys. And Bryce, so you made your way, uh, I think it was due north of Salt Lake City to go up to, it was a road game for Coaston Loveland. Uh, you ran into another hardball while you were up there, right? Watching uh, Michigan's tight end commit look like a man amongst boys, like literally. Yeah, he was foot and shoulders above everyone he played against. Uh, Coastal Loveland, the fo- the four-star tight end commit from Michigan. Um, like you said, Sam, there's not much in Idaho. There's a reason you can drive 80 miles per hour. I learned they love Luke Combs, Luke Bryan. And at this point, I, you might as well call me Luke Merch because I had a three-hour drive of listening to country. So, uh, yeah, that was a very fun trip. But, yeah, Coastal Loveland's the real deal. Six foot five, he's in the two. 30s. He said when he came up to Michigan over the summer, officially um, visited, and then would commit, I would say, a week later was. Uh, he was in the 240s. And like Steve's been saying, Michigan absolutely loves him to the point I've heard people inside the program feel like he might be the best tight end they're bringing in since Harbaugh's arrived to Ann Arbor. They think that highly of him. And after seeing him in person, it's tough to evaluate a kid, too understandably so because he's an Idaho. Right. <laughs> but if you, you know, most of the guys, they're not much to brag about he's playing against. But, and I talked to Brandon Huffman about this, who was extremely, extremely high on Coastal Loveland himself and made him a four-star before he even made this extra jump uh, earlier today. But if you have to triple team a guy on the outside where you have one guy in the line of scrimmage trying to jam him and two guys behind him 
trying to stop this guy. I mean, there's not more, much more you can really ask for at that point. And, you know, you watch senior highlights he's been posting on um, Twitter and his coach has been as well. He's just mossing guys. And I think, you know, you can see that athletic ability he has to the point where, Sam, he doesn't take a play off. He played the whole game. And on top of that, you watched him at defensive end. He told me afterwards that power five schools, they're recruiting him for defense too. And I could see it. I could easily see him be a four-star defensive lineman if he really wanted to. So he's got that athletic ability where it's off the charts. I I was told by several people, you know, around the industry that they look at him as almost like a freak athlete. He can do that much. And so you don't see that many prospects out of Idaho, especially that highly rated. But I think Brandon Huffman would agree. If you're going to rank a guy that high, he's got to be special. And he is special. After watching him, I feel strongly about him. I think he's one of Michigan's top commits in this class. That's my belief. That's my personal opinion. But I think he, at the end of the day, a couple years from now, he will be playing on Sundays. I feel that confident. He's extremely impressive when I saw him in person. And he fits what Michigan's looking for on off the field. And kudos for Jay Harbaugh, like you mentioned, for finding another guy that stands out and a huge recruiting win because, again, this is not like Michigan beat Boise State and Idaho for this kid. Michigan beat Alabama. They're being top, top men, you know, competition here for Coastal Loveland. So, huge pickup. Love him, and I think he's going to be a star at Michigan. Yeah, you you talked about it's hard to evaluate him uh, because the competition he plays against in Idaho. I think important to note, Brandon Huffman watched him play on the 7-on-7 circuit. Now, I know it's not padded. But this this kid sought sought bigger time competition to to test himself. Part of it is getting exposure and getting your name out right, but also to test himself and impressed against much better talent too. Again, it was seven on seven, uh, but still, it's seven on seven against top tier athletes. So while it is going to be a leap for him uh, as he comes to Michigan, a huge leap in competition more so than the majority of recruits. It's not like he's totally green. It's not like he hasn't competed against some of the best in the country. He has, albeit on the seven on seven circuit. But so Harbaugh's travels, Jim Harbaugh's travels, he was we know that he made his way to to see Lander Barton. Uh, a few other stops we doc- documented, but we saw his last stop during the bye week, Bryce. As you mentioned before, we were out at the PSL title game watching Cast Tech play against uh, against uh, Detroit King. So you had Deion Walker and Cass on one side. You had Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback in the 2023 class on the other side, a gigantic recruit for Michigan of extreme importance. They are, you talk about all hands on deck, all hands on deck recruiting him. And that's why you saw Matt Weiss at that game along with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, and he took note of that. He said, man, it means something. He said, I'm, I'm locked in on the game. I'm talking about Dante Moore. I'm locked in on the game. But it was great that they they came out. I've been there so many times. I mean, so familiar. And yet they took the time out to visit me, to watch me in this game. And they stayed the whole game. That that just that resonates. And he said he'd been talking to Matt Weiss. He's been talking to Matt Weiss once a week, which was, I think, important from a relationship-building standpoint. Called him a genius for his uh, his acumen, his football acumen, that's important too because the connection to the coach is going to be huge. And 
I know you guys have watched him a ton. What what strikes me, in addition to the physical talent, Steve, because he he has a live arm, he's really accurate. I wanted to see how he, you know, could he make more plays with his legs? He's starting to do that. He did that in that game. Number of scrambles, extended plays, uh, and still made plays down the football field. But what really strikes me is he is so mature. It's like no moment is too big. No pressure is too great for him. This is a kid that was playing since his freshman year. He just, you just feel like it's going to be okay. And why was that important in this game? Because, Bryce, you were there. They had the moment of silence before the game for Fernando Massey, a, a, an assistant for, for King. And that guy had been with that program in some capacity for four decades. And then on top of it, I didn't even know beforehand that TP was out. TP Terrell Patrick, their offensive coordinator, had been out since the first cast game. had been out over a month. He had brain surgery. So you're without a beloved member of the staff. You're without the OC, the guy who calls the plays. Dante said he's like the key to my lock. And you're down 15 to nothing at, at the half. I mean, nothing is going right. You you fumble one in there or a ball is hiked over your head out the end zone for a safety. And they come right down and they get a touchdown. And things are you're not moving the football at all. They come on the second half, Bryce, and you saw it. I mean, first drive, precision down the football field. Dante Moore led him on the drive. Gets him on another one, an 80-yard touchdown pass with the catch and run there. And next thing you know, King is winning the game. The kid just has that it factor to him, and you see why he's one of the most coveted recruits in the country. Yeah, and oh. I was going to just no, quickly ahead, say, um, I was just going to say, you know, definitely being at the game, like you said, Sam, um, the elements. I mean, it was a downpour rain, Sam. This was not like it was sprinkling. It was downpouring rain the whole game. It was tough to throw the ball on either side. And Dante, when he had to make the plays to help King overcome, he was doing it. He, it showed his poise, like you said, his maturity, but also his leadership. I mean, I saw him on the sideline talking to the defense, like, listen, we need to stop. We need to get the ball back because I'm going to get you guys to score. He was doing stuff where you don't normally see that of high schoolers. You know, you don't normally see him step up and lead a team like that. And he's, like you said, Sam, a special talent, a five-star. And I definitely think he is, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the 2023 class. That's just my opinion. I think he's that good. And there's a reason Michigan's only going after one quarterback in that cycle because they feel that strongly about him. And like you said, having Matt Wise there, Jim Harvard there shows – their loyalty, but also their interest in him as well. So an extremely impressive performance. I was going to say, feel like games like that. Yeah, I know they were down 15, nothing at halftime. I feel like games like that aren't games that are necessarily going to help him as like from a ranking standpoint, but they're games that are going to make him grow in a big way, just as a quarterback. Right. I mean, that's le- like talk about not having your play caller, uh, the, all the other emotions, like, those are legit adverse conditions for a kid to play in against by far your biggest rival, maybe the biggest high school game of his career. I mean, I, I don't know. Did they win it last year? Did they win the whole thing last year? No. Right. So um, up there anyway, top two or three biggest high school games of his career and and a year where he's got more pressure on him than he's ever had before because he's gotten the accolades now 
He's got all these schools after him. I mean, he's kind of the guy in Detroit now. Um, and to lead a comeback like that against Cast Tech, who has a front <laughs> just loaded with D1 guys on it, um, like I said, not maybe a game that's going to wow the scouts from a statistical standpoint necessarily or, or however, but from just a from a just a being a quarterback. Like I bet Michigan was more impressed in person watching the way that game played out from Dante Moore's standpoint than they would be by any seven on seven performance or any, you know, five or six touchdown game on a Friday afternoon in, in the, the public league. You know, I got to think that they come out of that even more impressed than they already were uh, with what Dante Moore has to offer. Yeah, he is. I agree with Bryce. I mean, I, I said this on a couple of podcasts ago. Arch Manning is legit. Make no mistake. Uh, he has the bloodlines. The pedigree, I mean, he looks the part. He looks like Peyton Manning. Like, if you didn't know any better, <laughs> he's like, man, that's Peyton Manning out there. I just, you know, I, I think that this kid has had to, he's had to grind for his. I, that says something. And the coaching staff there has made it a point to have a diverse menu of offense. They challenge him to execute more, a more expansive offense than, you, the, not you guys, but that the, the you out there that most people would give a city team credit for running. And they do that on purpose because he can handle it. It it displays his football IQ. It prepares him for college. And that was one of the things that TP said to me a long time ago. He said, man, we'd be doing this kid a disservice if we just ran a bunch of RPOs and, you know, a bunch of quick hitting plays that didn't, uh, didn't call for him to scan the field and hone his – ability to read coverages they are, make a concerted effort to grow his game while winning games at the same time uh and you see it that's that's why in this game steven uh, you, you mentioned being without your play caller part of that was i mean his his quarterback coach was the the acting oc but dante was calling the plays with him like he was calling some of the plays so it's like hey man you're you're seeing a guy really show you the kind of leadership that you want to see because you one of the things you wonder about with with kids when when they have that kind of profile and they've had a high profile for a long time and let's say they go to a to a state school in-state school and the spotlight is even brighter as a as a hometown guy that goes to the in-state school some kids just they get overwhelmed by it. they get caught up in being that that big time five big man on campus so to speak and i just feel like you don't have to worry about that with this kid. I don't know about you guys. It just feels like he's he has the the mental makeup too. Hundred percent. And again, like Bryce said, there's a reason that yeah. I I we've gone back and forth about this a little bit. I think we're all in agreement. I like the way Michigan's approaching it by making him the only guy. I think it's I think it's the right strategy in this recruitment. I mean, they technically have a couple other offers up, but I don't think either of them were made since. Weiss was hired, maybe the Malachi Nelson one, but again, that's a, a guy that you kind of have to offer. I feel like um, I like Michigan's approach here. They can legitimately tell him that he is, he's the guy for them. And it's not a punch. It's not a BS. It's not some kind of, um, you know, line to get him to come there. And uh, I, and I also agree about the number one quarterback stuff. I think the arch arch Manning thing is, is as much to draw clicks and attention and stuff. Again, not taking, he's a great prospect. Don't get me wrong, but I think we all suspect he'll probably remain the number one quarterback in this cycle throughout, or at least until he makes a decision. Um, 
just to, to keep that storyline, that attention uh, building and everything. So, you know, and I, I bet Dante Moore probably kind of likes it that way. I, I assume he's the kind of guy who wants that challenge to overtake, you know, because Arch Manning's receiving more hype as a high school quarterback than anybody that I can remember in recent memory uh, with all the bloodlines and, and the storylines and, and who's after him, you know, so I got to think Dante Moore in a situation where he will probably relish future opportunities to compete against Arch Manning, whether it be like an elite 11 type deal or in an all American type setting. Um, you know, I bet he's chomping at the bit to uh, get that opportunity and, and show that he is the number one quarterback in the cycle. Yeah, we shall see. We don't have anything to do with the rankings, but we'll see if it, if it winds up being that way. And uh, he's he's played in some big games. Uh, that was definitely one of the biggest, to your point. Uh, he absolutely rose to the occasion. So I think we'll be seeing more uh, performances like that before his, uh, before his high school career is over. All right, so let's close things out uh, addressing another question. That being one about Amarion Walker. Amarion Walker, the wide receiver slash DB commit. From Ponchatoula, Louisiana, he's committed to Notre Dame, Michigan. Very much trending uh, for some time in that recruitment. Um, we know that Ron Bellamy was down there during the during the bye week. We also know that he's slated to visit Notre Dame uh, this weekend, this coming weekend. And so people are asking, what does that mean? Does that mean he's... He's trending away. So this is my read on the situation. And I will be giving you more on this as I am going to Ponchachula's game. I'm going back to see Amarion Walker Thursday. So as you are listening to this podcast, I'm probably at Amarion Walker's game. He has great relationships with the Notre Dame. So he committed there, uh, for gosh sakes. Now, you know, the guy who initially recruited him there isn't there anymore, but he's formed great relationships with the rest of the staff. Uh, he's talked about how tight he, he feels to them. And what this ought to dispel is any notion that Notre Dame was like, ah, we don't need him. That's what their fans were saying, right? Ah, they, they're they done with him. They don't want him anyway. Man, the coaching staff isn't acting like that. They have doubled their efforts to try to guard their yard and try to keep Amarion Walker in that class and with good reason. Talking about a kid that's 6'4", 175 pounds, and he can run like a gazelle. I mean, you know, what? 4-4-40 at Alabama's camp, which we talked about a lot. He can jump out the gym, and he can play corner. People keep asking, what is Michigan recruiting him for? Started out as a as a DB, but then Josh Gaddis and, and Jim Harbaugh, they looked at, oh, this 6-4 receiver. He's a receiver recruit for Michigan who maybe can moonlight as a DB down the line. We'll see how that goes. But I think that this is him going to visit coaches that he has strong relationships with. I don't think it signals that things don't look as good for Michigan. Now, it does signal that Michigan can't rest on its laurels. It suggests that this is not over. Do I think it's a slam dunk? That Michigan's not a slam dunk, uh, but I think that Michigan is on a breakaway. Uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, they are still the favorites, even though they don't have his commitment in tow. It may sound counterintuitive, but that's how I, I see it. Uh, I will get a fuller feel uh, as I'm down there, but the communication is as frequent as ever with Michigan. I talked to his dad about it, still speaking glowingly about Michigan. And, of course, we see how things are going on the football field for the Maize and Blue. So I think that 
that Michigan is still in really good shape. It's just not not a done deal. Won't be a done deal until the flip happens. Uh, and that's why I think you see Michigan, and not just Ron Bellamy, but Steve Klinkscale, Josh Gaddis, Jim Harbaugh, they are all recruiting Amarion Walker. So we'll have much, much more for you guys as I'm down there. But I'm curious, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention to what the Notre Dame folks are saying, but did, did you guys gather from, I gather from reading their message board that the fans thought that the coaching staff was was done with him, uh, even though he visited, remember he visited Michigan and they didn't know. Think about that for a second, Steve and Bryce. He visited Michigan. Their staff didn't know it. That's, that's grounds for a lot of programs to drop a kid. What does it say about this kid's talent? They haven't dropped him at all. Yeah, it says you're going away from your playbook to kind of keep because I think believe Notre Dame has instituted something similar in the past with certain guys, right? Sort of the old Brady Hope deal. If you're not committed to us, then we're not committed to you. Um, I think Washington's another one. Remember Mark Naboo, mm-hmm. the guy that Michigan's been recruiting up front, like took a, wanted to take a visit elsewhere, and Washington said, "All right, well, you're not committed." Um, so yeah, obviously it speaks to what kind of prospect Walker is, right? And and to be fair, hasn't he talked about coming up for this USC game for quite a while? I don't think yeah. this is like a not a brand new thing or a, a shift in where the direction this recruitment is headed. But like you said, it's it's a reason for Michigan not to uh, hold to, to to kind of sit on the sit on it. You know, I mean, they still still gonna have to work to finish it out. But either way, I agree. Everything I've heard, similar situation. It feels like it's. Uh, Michigan's to lose, weirdly enough, despite the fact that he's committed to Notre Dame and, and visiting there this weekend. Well, folks, that is going to do it for us on this edition of the Michigan Recruiting Insider. I want you to focus your attention on the MichiganInsider.com. That's where it really goes down. I mean, you like the podcast, you get it all the time. This kind of intel, this kind of insight all the time on the MichiganInsider.com. And you can get that. Uh, get into it VIP wise for a dollar for the first month. You can't beat it. And we're going to be making a special announcement next week, an announcement on the MichiganInsider.com. So be sure to be on the lookout for that. I'm excited about it. The whole team is excited about it. I think you'll be excited about it too. So be sure to keep it locked over the MichiganInsider.com and join us next time here on the Michigan Recruiting Insider.